right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sunday afternoon, bright out here in the Kill House. Uh, there's a reason we're recording a bit early. Early, we'll get to that here in a second. Solly here. TC is here after a long week in the Queen City. Hello, TC. Hello, Solly. Many, many conies devoured this week. Shout out to Skyline. It was a great week in Cincinnati. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Skyline. And uh, calling in from across the pond to help us break down the BMW PGA Championship this week, our good friend Jamie Weir. We last saw him on this podcast just despondent, (laughs) desolate after the Open Championship. But we're glad to hear that you are alive and well. Hello, Jamie Weir. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Lovely to be on. Do you know, funny, funny enough, somebody actually came up to me at Wentworth and said today, have you recovered since the Open? And... I'm not sure if I ever will. I've still still got the emotional scars, but hey ho. We uh, we got a lot to chat about with uh, things that have happened in the world of golf this past week. We were also, like I said, at the Queen City, the Kroger Queen City Championship in Cincy this week. And uh, as with just about every week on the LPGA Tour at the Kroger Queen City Championship, Callaway once again the most played equipment brand across just about every product category. It was the most played driver, fairway wood and iron, blah 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 blah. We had a great location to watch multiple groups go by, and it truly was shocking to see. How many Callaway staff bags went by? How many Rogue ST drivers you saw uh, right there on the f- uh, seventh tee that we're standing, sixth tee that we're standing right over by our hospitality, which was awesome. So there were nearly two times as many Odyssey putters in play compared to the next closest brand. Uh, it was also fun to hear the the always bubbly Emma Talley on the ESPN Plus broadcast after sure. After her round, she hopped into the announcer's booth, had some fun commentary, insightful observations. I'm way in on players jumping into the booth after playing. So. Callaway's support of the women's game does not stop with the LPGA Tour. They have the broadest assortment of women's specific equipment of any manufacturer. And for more on Callaway's support of the women's game, or most importantly, their women's products, go to callawaygolf.com slash women's golf. That's callawaygolf.com slash women's golf. Jamie, quite an uh, eventful week on a lot of fronts uh, over at the BMW PGA. I, where, what is the biggest story uh, in, in your mind? Well, I mean, as you say, just over here, it's been... A surreal, very sad few days for obvious reasons. Um, but we got a golf tournament away in the end. Um, 54 holes, obviously, which the irony wasn't lost on a lot of people. But what a finish we got this afternoon. It was just, you know, the big, the cream rose to the top. The big names were up there. Uh, at one stage, I thought we were going to get an all-Irish playoff. But um, somehow Rory's putt just missed uh, for Eagle on the 18th. And and Big Shane got the victory, a victory that will mean so much to him because he loves Wentworth. He always performs really well here. Somebody said to me on Tuesday, who do you fancy this week? I said, this is Big Shane's week. Did I put any of my own money on? No. Do I feel like an idiot? Yes. But I'm delighted for Big Shane. And I gave him a a hug at the end, which apparently was caught on TV cameras. So that was pretty embarrassing as well. But yeah, we just got a great finish. And, you know, three big beasts of European golf right up at the top of the leaderboard. Um, So I think everyone's, everyone at the European tour is delighted with how it all panned out in the end. I will say for basically ever since the uh, 54 tour has started, 
both the PGA Tour and now the DP World Tour with yeah. their biggest event have gotten the results they've needed out of it. When it could have gone a lot of different ways. Look, would they have loved for Rory's putt to have dropped and they've gone to a playoff? Sure, but you know, to have Lowry. Um, Do you know what? I'm I'm not actually sure they would have loved that because we had a bit of an issue with daylight hours here oh. because of the fog this morning. So um, I'm not sure if it might even have even been Rory and Shane coming back tomorrow. So I think they were quite happy in the end to have a fitting champion. But yeah. Look, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Ever since the 54 tour started up, we've had some dramatic finishes on both sides of the pond. Yeah, it's like the biggest guys are getting up for it. I mean, although I thought when, when Reed came in with a 63 pretty early today, I was like, well, See, is it going to be that kind of day? This is what you need data golf for because I saw that and I yeah. went to it and it said 0.2% chance percent, uh, percent chance of winning. No, it but was, seeing, yeah, seeing it was birdie fest Gooch out there. up there yeah. and some other guys kind of you know able to make a little bit of noise. I honestly, the Reed winning would have been funny. Gooch winning would have been just kind of boring and annoying. Reed yeah. winning would have been hilarious. I'm sorry, it would have been absolutely. I hilarious. will say, I, I did. I did just see a tweet saying that if Patrick Reed wins, what? How much money does Pat Perez win? Which I, uh, which I quite enjoy. Yeah, four aces, man. <laughs> Tough. Like Reed, I will say, I think he does have a leg to stand on as far as support of the European Tour, more so than these other random chuckleheads. You know, turning up Massively at, so. at uh, Wentworth. You agree, Jamie? Yeah, I, I said to people at the start of the week. You know, it's tempting to sort of group all the live golfers in together. Um, there were fifteen that had played in Boston, eighteen that had played any live event in total. But I said you can't really tar them all with one brush. And the way I saw it going into the week, there were kind of three separate categories. So category one was players like. Laurie Cantor, Richard Bland, Justin Harding, who are familiar faces on the European tour, have played in several events since the Centurion event on Live and have been made to feel reasonably welcome at those events. The second category then is your Ryder Cup stalwarts, the legends, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Graham McDowell, Sergio Garcia, who will come on to <laughs> in more detail a bit later on, where you know a lot of people sort of felt, right, You've done so much for European golf that we don't mind you being here. Uh, other people felt you've gone out of your way to be combative and pick fights and denigrate the tour and take the piss out of, you know, yeah, you know, people have heard about Sergio's rant in the in the locker room in Munich, I'm sure, which we can come on to if they haven't. So there was a, still a little bit of animosity towards those guys being there. And then there was the third category, which was Taylor Gooch, Abraham Answer, where people were just like, what the hell are you doing here? And you you heard my interview with Shane in particular. Where he just said, I can't stand those guys being there, which is, you know, as I've never heard Shane shoot from the hip as much as that before. And I think there was just a lot of bad blood from the very start of the week. But yeah, thankfully, we got some DP World Tour loyalists up at the top of the leaderboard instead. Well, a couple things to that. I, I uh, you know, Kevin Van Valkenburg had quote retweeted it just to say a shout out to you for asking. You've long, going back all the way to March from when we saw you here at the players, and probably before then, you've asked extremely direct questions right at players about about this and and not avoided it. And Shane gave a, just a very good and honest answer of that. You mentioned that there, and I'll, I'm going to read it here some of it, but. He said, there's some guys I kind of don't mind them being here given what they've done for the tour over the years. There are certain guys I just can't stand them being here, to be honest. I don't like that they're here. I think, to be honest, the one thing that has really annoyed me over the last few months is how disruptive they're trying to be. Obviously, they're here for world ranking points somewhat, 
but they're here to be disruptive, and I don't like that. To be honest, if I put myself in those guys' shoes, would I be here this week? No, it's too uncomfortable for me. It is what it is. Like I said, it's the BMW uh, PGA Championship, the biggest event in Europe, and we will be talking about that, and we are not. It's disappointing. Anybody that knows me, I don't like confrontation or any of that stuff. I'll say hello and do my thing. That's the way I'll be. Obviously, the lads, I've known them for years, and some of them have become good friends over the last few years, but obviously I haven't seen them in a long time. Long time now, don't hang out with them anymore. Probably won't be going to dinner because we haven't seen each other. But, yeah, there are certain lads that I shake hands with and certain lads I wouldn't. He should have he, he should have hit him with the chaps. Certain chaps, <laughs> lads. I, I'll shake hands with and chaps that I won't. But to the point of just being disruptive, and I, I promise we will talk about the tournament. Like Poulter being asked not to wear his live stuff and saying I'm a part owner of this league and I, I I plan to wear it after suing his way into the tournament is exactly what Shane is referring to here about being disruptive for the sake of being disruptive. Like have have a little bit of respect for. Under, and have a little understanding for the apple cart that you have upset here. Like you have made your decision, you could, you've made your bed, lie in it. But at least if you're going to be suing your way into golf tournaments, have a little bit of respect uh, for for you know guys like Shane that are not doing that. And now you get, get to compete in the same event. I just think that's exactly what. And then Sergio, well, we got to save some time for that. Yeah, Sergio is its own segment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Rex Hoggard was over here for the Golf Channel this week, and and Rex put out that tweet explaining that Ian Poulter had just defied um, what Keith Pelley had asked everyone to do by not wearing the live logos and Poulter responded saying, I can do whatever I want. Ian Poulter quote tweeted that basically going off at Rex saying her majesty's just died. How can you bring this up at this time? There are more serious issues going on. He then subsequently deleted it, but Rex's tweet had been, you know, a few hours before the news had broken about the queen passing away. Um, but it just shows how these guys, just are operating at the moment that you know it, part of me almost slightly ad admires the brass neck of them even turning up this week because i like shane said i would have felt completely awkward being there as well knowing that people don't want you there knowing that so many of your peers have completely lost any, any respect for you I, I i you know the brass neck to turn up in the first place i almost admire in a way brass neck great that's great, great we're term. gonna steal that one but Shout out to Martin Keimer. Like, he was one of the yeah. most upfront people about, like, yeah, this is obviously a huge financial reward for me. And as far as I know, he hasn't tried to spew any bullshit in our direction. And he straight up said, like, I would not feel comfortable playing there. I could play in the field thanks to the lawsuit or whatever, and I wouldn't feel comfortable with it, and I'm not going to do it. And I, that I think is it's just, it's somebody that has made the decision to leap and is not trying to double dip and is not being duplicitous and is being pretty straightforward with the whole thing. And I think most of the guys are totally fine with that. Like if that is what, no one has an issue with guys going and playing and just, and having that be their career going forward. And Shane put that on, on display pretty perfectly with his quotes, I thought. Yeah, I think, you know, from speaking to European tour players, the kind of attitude for a couple of months now has been, look, fine. You've made your decision. Do I agree with it? No. But fuck off then. Don't think that you can keep sort of coming back and taking spots off players who need it. And, and Martin Keimer is an interesting example, actually, because Martin has played pretty much all of his golf for the last three or four years now over in Europe. And he's, you know what Martin Keimer's like. He's one of the nicest, most honest, down-to-earth guys. He's very popular. He probably would have been made to feel reasonably welcome at Wentworth this week. It's other guys whose true colors have shown up recently, who with whom the mask has slipped for a lot of people, who a lot of people have no time for now at all, where, okay, if you're going to go and take the live money, that's one thing, but don't feel as if you can constantly get in your soapbox on Twitter 
and just destroy the tour that um, has done so much for you over the years. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of bitter feeling at the moment from you know the rank and file of the tour towards these these step these, these legends of the game, if you like. And like you know, it's one thing to do it to the PGA Tour. It's another thing to do it to the European Tour, which is suffering. Big time. Far more greatly from all of this. Uh, why? Why did Paul Casey not turn up? Was that a was that an injury thing, or was that because he, he would have been one of the ones I expected to turn up? Uh, just because he doesn't seem like the most uh, upstanding, <laughs> you know, uh, open and honest guys out there. I don't think he wanted to run into Jamie again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it could have been an injury with him. Um, I don't know. You know, I didn't miss him. You know, I, I, I as, as Shane said in that quote, I'm convinced that at least three or four of them turned up just to be disruptive. And I'm sure we'll get on to the players' meeting on Tuesday night. But, you know, they, they went there en masse to um, ask questions that would try to make Keith Pelly look stupid and try to trip him up. And Keith had an answer prepared for everything. That didn't descend into fisticuffs and people having to be separated like people were predicting. Everybody was impressed with how Keith handled himself in that meeting and then the following day in front of the media as well. I think there's a reasonable chance that these guys are getting paid bonus money on top of what they've already made to show up and do this <laughs> and ask these questions. Like there be there's there's a bounty out there that they're collecting. I believe that. I mean, I hadn't even really thought about that, but it yeah, they're going to be out there to try to promote the live product. I mean, that's that's kind ambush of, marketing. That's kind of the thing. But well, I promise we we're that you know. It, live is going to uh, permeate through any conversation we have. But to go back to the golf tournament a little bit here. Bogey free for the entire tournament for Shane Lowry blew my freaking mind. Now, it was pretty damn soft out there from what I could tell. I mean, was it just a, a, a dark con contest out there? And how much does that vary from uh, what we've seen year to year at Wentworth? Yeah, we, we've had a lot of rain this week, so they were just throwing darts. Um, but it is a course that in recent years has shown itself to be gettable as well, which blows my mind because I've played the West course that went with a few times and the strong to the test too. I'm not a good golfer, but I just find it such a slog. I find it a really difficult course, but these guys just make it look so straightforward. And, you know, it, it can be a bit Marmite Wentworth, the West course that went with some players don't like it an awful lot. It always seems to provide good finishes and it always seems to provide an incredible leaderboard. And the players, when you speak to them, I mean, Shane adores it. Matt Fitz, Rory, a lot of players really like it. They think it tests every single aspect of your game. You've got to be straight off the tee, not necessarily long, but straight off the tee. It's a second shot golf course. You've just got to be an absolutely supreme ball striker, which why when you look at the top three in the leaderboard, they're three of the best ball strikers in the business. The rough was thick and juicy this week, so you didn't want to veer offline, but you've got to shape the ball. I think there are a lot of similarities, and that you're probably not going to like this, but... <laughs> There are a lot of similarities to Augusta. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good a golf course before people <laughs> lose their minds. But what I mean is, you know, tree line, second shot golf course, the shots it asks you to play. So on the back nine in particular, on 11, 12, 13, 16, 17, it asks you to draw the ball. And then suddenly you have to stand on the 18th tee with a tournament on the line and hit a cut down this sort of tree line fairway when you haven't hit a cut for the last two hours, which is very Augusta-like. And the other thing that's similar to Augusta is because there's so many scoring opportunities towards the end of the round, you see these guys surge up to the top of the leaderboard and you think, well, they're sitting pretty now, but all the guys on the, still on the golf course have got the chance to then play those holes. So, you know, John Ram came in, what, two hours before Rory and Shane had even gone up the 18th. 
And he was thinking, oh, is it going to be enough? And, and I was actually surprised in the end that he was as close as he was. You know, it always seems to provide drama. And I know you guys have said in the past, like Tory Pines is a prime example of, okay, it always provides drama and a great leaderboard, but it's not a very good course. But I think the West, the West at Wentworth, I've almost done a full 180 on. I used to think it's not that great a course. And now I think, well, if all the players like it so much, there must be something there. Kind of reminds me of Firestone. In that regard, and you set, you totally saved that Augusta take. By the way, I, I see where you, I see where you're going with that. I was really nervous when you started that, but I see exactly where you're going with that. And my question is the par fives. I, I, admittedly, we had a yeah. lot going on this week. I'm in and out of coverage, and every time I looked up, somebody was putting for eagle, like from six feet, from twelve feet. Are the pie, par fives just that gettable? What what is it about? Is it was did it have to do with the softness this week? It was just yeah. a feast. I was trying to find stats on them and I couldn't find. Yeah, them, I mean today they moved the tee up on on the fourth. The fourth is very gettable anyway because it's downhill. You should always be reaching that in two. The twelfth is probably the hardest to get on into of all of them, but you know they were still managing it no problem. The seventeenth is a great hole because you've just got to hit a big ropey hook around the corner. And you know, a lot, a few players actually came unstuck there. When I say unstuck, Shane parred it, Rory parred it. It's not an instant guaranteed birdie. The seventeenth and then eighteenth. If you get a good tee shot away, everybody should be looking to reach it in two. But again, you've just got to be a little bit offline, and you're in that thick, juicy rough. Or as Billy Horschel found yesterday, you're in a bunker, and it can very quickly unravel in that hole. So, you know, the eighteenth is a hole that after the redesign wasn't that popular, but I think it's a brilliant finishing hole because you can have anything from a three to a seven in that hole. Well, it, well I mean, it feels like it, it maybe wasn't that popular after the redesign, but they've redesigned that hole specifically like five or six times more than they have the course, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a weird part four and a half. It's a good theater hole, I think, right? I mean, it's, you know, long iron in. I mean, you're having Rory to hit four iron in there, needing to make three with the tur- tournament on the line, made for some, some good TV. We struggled. I don't know. I still don't know how he missed that putt either. That, and Rory, I, I, I was chatting to Rory about it afterwards. He was like, I don't know how that putt missed. I like, don't know how that pissed. went right. It just ran yeah. out of steam. My wife called it the, the slowest looking putt she'd ever seen. Like the ball was rolling towards the hole for forever. And uh, I, I just wanted to say I felt very happy for Shane. It felt like he's played really, really freaking good golf this year. The best season of his career without the best results. Like the best, you know, the best, had of the biggest peak weeks. I mean, straight up his ball striking this year has been incredible. One of his better putting seasons he's had and clearly across the board, the best statistical season he's had. And I was just stunned to see he hadn't won since the 2019 Open. That was his first win since then over three years and on either tour. And that was surprising to me, but doesn't speak to how successful he's been over the last uh, several years. I always hold something in your heart too for guys that when you ride them for a really good hot streak and they hit a bunch of top fives for you, I feel like you root for them way after that. And I think that was the yeah. last bet I won for the year was at the Masters or something like that for him for top I, um, five. Yeah, I, I was chatting to Shane's manager about it earlier in the week. We, we were walking a few holes during one of the practice runs. And he was saying, oh, God, he, he needs a win this week because he's just been knocking on the door so many times and he's had such a good year. I think he's had a year, Shane, where he's almost gone from somebody who you consider, oh, well, he's obviously a very good golfer to somebody who is not always in the conversation when it comes to major championships. He's just gone into that upper echelon, I think, of golfers. And maybe not on your side of the pond, I don't know, but certainly over here, he's somebody that's always spoken about going into the majors as somebody with a chance because he's, he's got every shot in the book. And he was so unlucky, like at the Honda, for example, when yeah. the heavens just opened, when he seemed to have that tournament in the palm of his hand. Um, so I'm delighted for him to win. And like, I've been interviewing Shane when he comes to Wentworth for years and he loves this place. This was a bucket list tournament for him to win. So, um, 
yeah, I gave him a big hug when he came off the back of 18 because I was delighted for him. And I might be joining him for a few beers later on. Oh, so gosh. We'll see. I might, <laughs> I might throw some money on Shane to win uh, the U.S. Open next year at uh, LACC. Just seems like his kind of golf course. It's not a bomber's paradise. It's a, you know, iron play. Just proper player. The Vision Fund. Did, did, Predict Colin stuff the way, out. Did Futures you, bets. Did you see the shot he posted on Twitter yesterday of his second shot to the 17th at Wentworth? Was is this the tight draw? I mean, or what? Just this like low stinger hook around the trees where he just walks after it. I mean, it is a thing of beauty. Um, so, yeah. I mean, he's just he's a shot maker, and that's why I think he's so entertaining to watch. Rory felt like he, he let this one slip away a little bit. He had a good shot from the trees there on 17, left it in kind of a tough spot um, yeah. to get up and down from. But even just, you know, coming a couple holes earlier, uh, he hit one of the best drives I've seen this year. Uh, just a high tight draw, like flew at 340, and just a little bit off with his irons, it seemed like today. It felt like Sunday at the Open, a little bit, honestly. It was a lot of medium range putts that just kind of went by on the edge. It was not the putter's fault, but just not really stuffing it in. And tight. like wedges that are going to 15, like 12 or 15 feet instead of seven or eight feet, which to, like kind of to his credit means like he's playing really good golf. Yeah. I was chatting with uh, Radar Wayne Riley, who's our on course commentator, and Anthony Wall, who does it for the. European Tour Productions, and they're both saying, as we were walking up about 16, I think, that every yardage he'd left himself in today for a second shot was sort of between clubs. It just was one of those days when yeah. he just didn't have his he wasn't didn't have his exact number, so he's having to take a little bit off a nine iron or you know put it a little bit on a wedge or whatever. Um, so which meant he was always just trying to have, sort of force the issue. But even still, like I think Rory kind of had his maybe B minus game this week, yeah. C plus game maybe, yeah. and he still finishes a shot off a playoff. Um, and that's just the kind of golf that he's playing at the moment. I, I, I can't remember. Even 2014 when he wins two majors with a WGC, you know, sandwiched in, the, in between them, I don't think he was playing as consistent golf as he is now. And you think of Rory, I think maybe people think of somebody who, oh, he can have these hot streaks where he's impossible to beat, but then he'll throw in, you know, a random 78 and miss a cut. This isn't, this reincarnation of Rory isn't that person. He's just so unbelievably consistent he is he seems to have a chance to win every single tournament he plays and if he he's having a bad day he finds a way of just grinding it out and turning it into a half decent score um so let's just hope he can bottle that and carry it into next season into the majors because he is the best golfer on the planet at the moment the, the numbers back that up i would i mean it's it's kind of wild if you do look first of all again this is not I, i'm i'm it's only going to help this week, but uh, the, the data golf numbers are not updated yet for this week. But this is his best ever strokes gain season. So the best he's ever been at getting the golf ball in the hole. In 20 starts, he has 17 top 20s worldwide. He has nine top fives, three wins. And uh, yeah, he is plus over plus one off the tee, plus 0.7 approach, plus 0.45 around the green, plus 0.53 putting, his best ever putting season as well. And so it's probably, I mean, it's just... He's played great golf. He would trade all that for one of the majors. I know he would, but it uh, it's just it's still worth emphasizing how good his his golf is. Kind of like been. Texas, you know, he might be back, but <laughs> you're not back. Hasn't until you gotten win the it. W yet, but you know, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm a believer, right? Now. I I think he's been 
Was that your sign that you want to talk about big techs? No, no, no. I think we can still keep waiting. I think Rom, it's good to see some form out of Rom. Seriously. The, the buoy seems to be, he's down to six in the world. The buoy to the surface again. He's back. Yeah. Back nine, 29, with a bogey on the par 37 back nine. Eagles, two of the par fives on the back. And the back nine's a par 37 at Wentworth. So exactly. He, he, I believe yeah, I just he, said he, that. He, what, are you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you getting at here? Did you say that? Yes, I just said that. Pay attention. Oh, mate, Come, here. Come I'm, on. I'm sorry. I know your Pay mind attention. is on those beers with Shane, but we'll get there. I promise. He played the last 10 holes in nine under par. Outrageous. Uh, uh, Soren Keldson. <laughs> where did that come from? It's number 608 in the world. Out of nowhere. He was making, I mean, I, making was, a run for the Ryder Cup team. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, shit, we can get there. Victor, disappointing 70. He had the lefts today. What was up with it that? It seems like he has the lefts every once in a while now in a big spot, right? He, he, gave, he hit like his fourth or fifth drive way left, and I forget off what tee it was. He just goes, what is going on? And I was like... Oh, dude! Welcome to my last two years. Just stay, like hitting a tee shot, wondering why it's not down the middle of the fairway, and watching it sail left. That has been my last two years. Uh, it was just very relatable to watch him go through that. Still, still shoots two under today and finishes t five. I know I'm going down the leaderboard a little bit here, but <laughs> Thomas Dietrich, he's got his PGA Tour card for the upcoming year. Feels like he's starting to raise his game a little bit. Thomas Peters as well. He's he's kind of poking around again, and then we come to P. He shoots 63. Jamie, I wanted to get your take on the Times of London story that came out today on P. Yeah. Wait, so which, what I, is the Times I'll of hold, London? <laughs> I, I'll hold my hand up and say I haven't read it. Okay. But I've sort of seen the quotes from it where he basically says that he feels a bit misunderstood. And did he talk about his daughter oh, like yeah. getting abused so, as well? It, oh, no. So he, he talked about the stuff that he had to endure as a child. How he wouldn't wish that upon anyone, um, and how there's really not a time and a place to talk about it. He talked about how his daughter is is being bullied at school, uh, or people are saying that your dad's a, a liar, a cheater, and a thief. This is this was, part of the lawsuit, or no? I think this. Oh yeah. Uh, and then I think, and, and then he talked about uh, you know his college career, how he's got signed letters from two coaches saying that he he never stole anything, he never cheated, he never lied. And then, uh, and then he gets into an, basically laying out an entire conspiracy against him by everyone in golf, media, and on the PGA Tour specifically, uh, basically using him as this quote-unquote black hat that uh, they can all profit from to create this, this villain that they can then uh, you know, derive all these revenues from hating. It's 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 quite a lot. Which I I'm giggling at the last part of that. I do not want to giggle at the first part of that. Which from everything we've heard, there's legitimacy to you know what maybe helped shape him into what he is. And I don't. That's not a funny laughing matter. And it's not something I feel that that's very not funny. And also like nobody would ever wish his daughter would be bullied no. at school. That's not cool either. But there's some serious paranoia going on there. And. I'm sorry, there's no smoke without fire. Like, everything that you're being accused of, you've brought on yourself. And that's where, like, I, I literally can't believe a word the guy says, no matter what it is. Like, I, I'm not saying that the daughter is not being bullied or that he did not have a traumatic childhood. But I just, when you're going to frame it amongst things that we know are lies, then how are we supposed to separate out what is true and what is a lie? Right? There's also that's, something a whole, that's the whole paradigm of Patrick Reed. Where it's like one person could have said something to Lady J in the, you know, carpool line and then they turn this into this big mountain or whatever but 
the one thing that he did own up to, he said, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said I was a top five player that pissed a bunch of people off. That was the best thing he ever did. <laughs> I was and like, then, but that was what that he was, was saying. Like the every... least offensive thing he's ever done. That <laughs> and, was just funny. And that was the one thing that he raised his hand and he was like, I take full accountability there. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I came off. But that was the, that was what spoiled everybody on me. And it was like, what? <laughs> it might have been the cheating and stealing and then doing it on national television alleged, a couple alleged. times. We saw two of them. I don't but no, alleged stealing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alleged. I'm just trying to keep I'm trying to keep you off of Larry Clayman's oh, radar. That's true. Alleged, 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 alleged. Mind if I put my finger in there. And that there was no mention at all of the incident out in uh at Tory. So anyway. Rafa Cabrera Bayo playing well. Uh, Frankie Molinari, Billy Ho would have expected a little bit more out of him this week. Good defense, though. Decent defense, yeah. I think. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure he was exhausted from going going to the uh, the football game with uh, with uh, Team Rose. Uh, yeah, you know, um, Chelsea West Ham, and for white knighting for the DP World Tour yeah. on top of the PGA <laughs> Tour too. That was somebody has we got we got a question in here. From Mr. Scotty B, is the league that shall not be named the best thing that could have happened for Billy Ho? Villain to insanely likable almost overnight. I'm not sure if I fully agree with that. I don't know if insanely likable. Some people agree, though. Some people are like, I ride for Billy Ho now. Now he's one of my favorites. I love Billy Ho. I really (laughs) like Billy Ho. He's always, so he'll always stop and chat to me. I think he's a top fella. And look, the whole thing he's been accused of this week of all of a sudden, oh, well, so Billy Horschel, suddenly the, the, the Oracle now on the European tour, he's played, what, six times in his entire life. Well, he said, if you watch his interview with me, he holds his hands up and says, look, if this was on the PGA tour, I feel as if I would be able to give more of an opinion. But I've made the effort to go around and ask rank and file European tour players what they think of these guys being in the field. So he wasn't, like, putting himself up yeah. as, you know... I'm Mr. DP World Tour, and therefore this is what I think. He was giving an opinion, having asked around to inform his own own opinion. Can we do Gooch now that we're on Horschel? Um, So early in the week, this was a a tweet from Brentley Romine. uh, It said, Billy Ho, name and names. I don't think uh, those guys should really be here. The Abraham Answer, Taylor Gooch, the Jason Kokrax. You've never played this tournament. Why? You've never supported the DP World Tour. Why are you here? Taylor Gooch, quote, retweets it with what is clearly a copy-paste, as the spacing is all off on how a normal tweet would go. So somebody from Liv, I would imagine, fed him this, or an agent or something fed him this, and he copy-pasted into a tweet. Said, Billy's DP pro career, 2013 to today, 64 events, 58 are majors, WGCs, and the 2022 Scottish, which is a PGA Tour event. Six pure DP events in total. I wonder how much money he got to play. His first non-major WGCP appearance, 2019 BMW, won FedEx Cup in 2014. He supports what's best for his career like all of us do. Very much a a, a prop. It, It makes some good points in there that Billy Ho is not like a resident European tour golfer, but at the same time, it was just he gave it away with the copy-paste, man. That's just a bad look. You can use stats to dress up any point you want, and he says that Billy Horschel's only played six regular DP World Tour events since 2013. Well, all six of those have been in the last 18 months. So he has clearly, the of late, been making more of an effort to be a player, a more of a global player who plays both sides of the pond, as does Pat Reed as well. So yeah. we have to, you know... As Tron said earlier on, you know, Patrick Reed is somebody who is not an unfamiliar face in European tour events. 
but it was the more the sort of the gooches and answers who really rub people up a long way this the you, long way this week. You can use stats to dress up any point. God, you just you just explained Solly uh, with the strokes gain <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Don't take it personally, Sully. It's literally, like, it's literally a measurement of how good you are at golf, and, and they don't want to listen to it. I test, baby. <laughs> Why did Team Rose WD? Was he was he so torn up about the queen? back spasms again? Back spasms. I think for, for 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 Justin Rose, yeah. What was his opening round of seventy four? Seventy three. Seventy three. Yeah. So you know you're not you're, you're not out of the tournament at that stage, but yeah, I think he's still got ongoing back issues, and that's I watch this space with that one. And then what the heck happened to Tommy? Yeah, Tommy just, <laughs> um, you know, starts the 64. Um, and then, funnily enough, he was he would have been playing with Justin Rose. He was playing with Justin Rose. So he and Shane were playing as a two ball yesterday. And I think when you're playing as a two ball behind a three ball, it kind of breaks your, your momentum. And I think maybe Tommy found it hard to get going. Um, I walked one hole with his wife, Claire, chatting away to Claire. Um, and that was the hole where he four putted from about 10 feet, at which point Claire told me that maybe I should just go away. So um, I don't know if I'm to blame for Tommy's round, Tommy's tournament suddenly taking a, a turn for the worse. But yeah, he just couldn't get it going yesterday. And then I didn't even see what he shot today. Shot, but, shot um, another 70. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he opened Tommy's, up 64, 73, 73. So Tommy's, you know, he's not quite to the same extent as Shane. But he's had a sneaky good year in terms of his numbers, but just hasn't strung four decent rounds together, or in the case of this week, three decent rounds together. And it feels like he is playing good golf, and it's so close, but just not close enough at the moment. But it, he'll, he's had a difficult, you know, he's had a difficult few weeks. He, he lost his mom, as people may or may not yeah, know. And yeah. he was incredibly close with his mom. His family have relocated to Dubai two weeks ago from the north of England. So that's a big, pretty big cultural shift. I mean, those are the two of the most stressful experiences you go through in your life is losing a parent and a, and moving house. So he's had to be going through all that while trying to keep his game sharp. He hasn't played since the Open. So to go out and shoot a 64 in the opening round was pretty impressive. And then he just ran out of steam. Is that complete? You're going down the leaderboard? Last guy I wanted okay. to give a shout out to, he got a sponsor exemption, made the most of it, Mr. Eddie Pepperell. Uh, and he, he finished, he was three under on his last two holes, I think, today. My boy. Yeah, to kind of... Uh, My boy, Ed. You know, yeah, he, he uh, eagled 17, birdied 18, hit a couple early doubles today, but salvaged it. And uh, he's in. He, he's up inside the top 60 now in the race to Dubai. So Eddie's playing good golf. Yeah, Eddie's playing some really good golf. Um, he almost won um, up at Fairmont St. Andrews a few weeks ago. The home of golf. He's... He just um, he's just found something. He's playing he's playing well at the moment, and um, more importantly, he's fallen back in love with the game a bit again because I think he'd fallen out of out of love with it for a long time. That was that was everything I had. Okay. The NFL's opening week action packed. It is just getting started. You can get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And if you want more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It is simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. And if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code NLU, only the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
So, Jamie, were you, I guess, expecting things uh, maybe to pop off a little more than they did? Going, It feels like a long time ago here, but there was a meeting earlier in this week uh, that involved Keith Pelly, live players, European tour players, excuse me, DP World tour players, whatever you want to call it. And it sounded like that that meeting was rather dull, if anything. What, what kind of details did you hear coming out of that? Yeah, so I think beforehand, a lot of people were predicting that it was going to be pretty spicy and things were going to come to a head and there was going to be raised voices and whatever. And the biggest surprise, was it was all done within half an hour. Keith Pelly spoke for 20 minutes and just outlined what the future of the DP World Tour is. And then he took questions from the floor and Ian Poulter read out two prepared questions from a sheet of paper, which had clearly been handed to him straight from Commissioner Norman, and asked firstly about the ongoing DOJ hearing in the PJ Tour, to which Keith Pelley said, I mean, it's an ongoing legal proceeding. What? How else, How the hell do you expect me to answer that question? Do you think I'm dumb enough to fall for that? <laughs> His second question was basically about, you know, how, how, how do you feel about the fact that the DP World Tour is now so much more weakened thanks to you? And Keith Pelley sort of said, well, actually, I think we're in a stronger place than ever. And in the years to come, you're going to see that. We can come on to that in a bit more detail in a bit if you want. And then the third question was from, you know, our European hero, the greatest Ryder Cup player in history, Sergio Garcia, who asked, you know, if he could be in the Ryder Cup team next year, basically, to which Keith Pelly said, well, you can earn points this week, which Sergio clearly didn't. Um, but we will, we will see going forward. But, I mean, I think we all know Rory and Shane both said in their interviews to me that those guys aren't going to be in the team this time next year. Um, but yeah, the, the meeting passed without incident, and then Keith spoke to the media on Wednesday, and was as you know, he was really impressive actually, and just sort of laid everything out, laid out how upset and disappointed he's been by some of those stalwarts of the tour with what they've had to say so publicly. Um, Sergio Garcia had said that the DP World Tour was, was on its way to being the fifth biggest tour in the world. Keith just said, that's absolute nonsense. Let me tell you why. If you're going purely financially, it's the third biggest, if we're even calling Levateur. It's the third biggest if we're going purely financially. If you're going in terms of the history and the prestige of the events and what it means to win them, then we are the second biggest tour in the world, which I don't think anybody can disagree with. Um, I, and, you know, he was, at times... Jay Monaghan, I think, has been very emotional and has taken it all very personally. I think Keith has been more statesmanlike throughout, and he was certainly very impressive with everything he had to say on Wednesday morning. Where does that leave you with Keith, just from a purely, like, I guess, analyst position here? Put like, your fan hat on, actually. Yeah, like what? I mean, because I do think that they are severely weakened versus where they would have been. And honestly, I've been saying, like, maybe their best option was to align with Liv at some point along the way, right? But was that ever a legitimate option within the ranks of the tour? Yeah, that was something that, that he addressed in the, in the, when he when he spoke to the media on, on Wednesday morning. And, you know, you'll have read about this Malta meeting, supposedly where the DP World Tour were offered this chance to get into bed with the Saudis. And he just said, he, he wanted to put matters straight and say that was never on the table. There was never an offer made. We sat down and we listened to what they had to say but they were always going to go on their own. They never made an offer to fund the European Tour, the DP World Tour, as it is now. So let's just get our facts straight on that one. That, that He made a real point of saying that. 
if I can clarify, if in the joint press conference that he and Jay Monahan did, he did make a point to say like they were they were coming to him with saying that they wanted to help grow the game, and a, an opportunity was presented to them to help fund the Challenge Tour, and they had no interest in that. I believe it was something along those lines. It was basically like a, I mean, if you want if you want to you know contribute money to this, we are not saying no to that off the bat. Like we'd love to hear about how you could support our feeder tours and things like that. And they wanted none of that. And that's kind of where the conversation ended. Maybe that was a pretty token gesture <laughs> and they, he, maybe he knew that they were not interested in that, but that's where I understood based on that, that joint presser that they did. Um, but it also goes back to like the PGL, like they had a deal on the table with the European or DP world tour to, you know, essentially kind of, fund that tour, make the, the, you know, PGL have a, you know, a path to the rankings, all that stuff. And then the PGA tour came in and strong armed them and did the whole strategic Alliance thing. So even going back to that of like, Hey, how, you know, how, has he played his cards? Right. And it was a really shitty deck of cards yeah. anyway. Yeah. I, I think that's it. He was between a rock and a hard place. And I mean, time will bear out whether this is the case, but I think he probably has chosen the best option by coupling up with the PGA Tour. It's better to be inside the tent pissing out than on the outside of the tent pissing in. And I think being aligned with the strongest tour in the world um, is the best position to be. If it comes down to pure finances, the DP World Tour is never going to be a rival to the PGA Tour. The best European players are always want to go, wanting to go and play in America. That's been the case for decades. That's not a new thing. People seem to think, oh, Keith Pelley's sold the European tour down the river. Since the days of Ballesteros and Faldo, European players have wanted to go and play in the States. So let's just get that clear for starters. And from what I understand it, by 2024, we're going to have a much clearer picture of what the whole global golfing landscape looks like. So we can go into that now if you want. That's what I was just getting ready to ask you was it, is either it seems incredibly obvious to me that the, the BMW PGA Championship would make sense as a co-sanctioned event. Yeah. And maybe that sounds dumb because it's the DP World flagship event, and I don't know if that's even possible or or if that goes out the window. But it seems like the the path, the best path forward for the DP World Tour is among these however many elevated events it ends up with. It sounds like from 24 on, there's going to be hopefully 20 of them. It seems like the more of those they can get in Europe is the best opportunity for a path forward to create a more of a tier system. It's not going to be nearly as many elevated events as the PGA Tour, but you're going to have events where you're getting American guys to come over and play events like this and to help support and fund the DP World Tour for the uh, the the other events. I'd Which is kind of like what they were trying to do with the Rolex series, right? Yeah. That they just didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and all the while the PGA Tour is pumping money into the the DP World Tour as well. So. Um, I think 2023 is going to look very similar to this year in terms of January to August. The top European guys, Rory, Ram, Hovland, will be playing predominantly in the PGA Tour. And then the, the DP World Tour will backload their events. So September, you'll see the BMW PGA at Wentworth. The Irish Open will probably move to September. At a, at, a big proper events here. at a proper at a golf course? Pro I've, Tron, I've spoken to the Irish Tourist Board They've taken your recommendations on board. <laughs> we'll make sure it's at a Lynx golf course next year. And not, well, actually, a, a proper it's, it's, at the K, okay. it's, it's actually at the K club next year. Uh, but beyond <laughs> that, we'll look into it. Um, I'm so tired of people 20, reaching out being like, oh, you won't understand it. It's, it's the height of tourist season. They, you know, yeah, no, well, none look, of these courses want to host. I I'm don't sure care. the Irish <laughs> Open, if out. the Irish Open becomes a co-sanctioned event, they'll take it to a proper Lynx golf course. So I think 2023 is a sort of bridge to 2024. And then in 2024, you're going to see this much more streamlined, aligned 
um, strategic alliance um, where it's been explained to me basically between January and the end of August, you've got 35 or 36 weeks and you're going to have these 15 and 15. So 15 elevated events, hopefully five of those, four or five of those are on this side of the pond or, you know, in European territories, as in Abu Dhabi can be one of them, Scottish, Irish, Wentworth, whatever. Um, and then the other 15 will be those PGA Tour events where the purses are remaining the same, but now guys are suddenly in a field where they've got a much better chance of winning and they're qualifiers for the big events. So you finish top 10 at the Honda and it gets you into Bay Hill, right. or I, I don't know if I've got that chronologically the right way around, but you know it gets you into the next elevated event, so 15 and 15, and much more of a sort of joined-up thinking between the PGA Tour and the European Tour, which I think suits everybody, really. The European Tour is getting money pumped into it by the PGA Tour. It's getting Americans over here for some of the bigger events. The, the lesser Americans will probably come over for, for lower-ranking DP World Tour events as well, so I think everybody's happy. It's one step towards a global tour, obviously, which I think is is the inevitable step. I think it it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and what did you think, I guess, of the first co-sanctioned PGA Tour, DP World Tour event, Scottish Open this year, how that worked out with simultaneous – it's not a WGC, but it, it's a simultaneous FedEx event and uh, Race to Dubai event. What did you think of how that worked and how that – I can't believe forward? we're going to do the Barracuda like that too. <laughs> Barracuda was played simultaneous to the – the Scottish Open. That was also a co sanction well, Help me out. Help me out here, JB. See what I'm dealing with? I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the bread and butter players, the, the rank and file players in the European Tour may have had a bit of an issue with some Americans coming over and taking spots that would previously have been theirs. But, like, <laughs> dude, the option is they either come and take your spots for, for w this one event or the tour just ceases to exist. Right, there just is. bottoms out. <laughs> right, Play So, you know, the PGA Tour, exactly. The PGA Tour pumping money into the European Tour now and, you know, the flip side of that coin is they're going to want their players to have some spots in your events. I think on the whole, it, 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 it was successful. And even though Renaissance isn't a very good golf course, it was a way of preparing for the Open for, for a lot of players. So, yeah, going forward, we're going to see a lot more of that. But the flip side of the coin is that European tour players, there's nothing stopping them going over and playing in events like the Honda or the John Deere or whatever, these events that aren't elevated events on the PGA Tour. And the top 10 get a get a you know automatic yeah. uh, path forward. Like so, so this year, Adrian Moronk, who's currently eighth in the race to Dubai, Thomas Peters is sixth. Like they're you know, guys like that that That's you know a benefit of not giving away as many tour cards through um you know whatever you finish on the pga tour in the prior year is that you can do creative things like this and go I, I don't think it's fully registered with a lot of people how different golf's going to start looking here very soon i mean live aside i'm saying the dp world tour and pga tour 23 is going to be a transition year and then in, in the 24 it's going to look very 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 different and feel very different i have a feeling now unfortunately the tv product is going to be probably pretty similar but 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 what i think a lot of people are are missing really the James hands of the world are missing is that, you know, regular players are being looked after as well. Yeah. You're playing in events, which have still got the same prize pot against a field where you've got more of a chance of winning, which as we all know is life changing in terms of the exemption exemptions it brings you. And it's going to get you into those elevated events, which are now have bigger purses as well. So, you know, I think they're looking after everybody as best they possibly can. And they're rewarding the top guys, which was, you know, 
something that they had to do. I think we could we could fill up a three hour podcast with all the things that James Hahn's missing. <laughs> there should be oh just a, a don't be a James Hahn should be a rule for every rank and file player on both tours. Don't be a James Hahn. Don't assume the status quo was even on the table and an option going forward. I don't think people realize uh, how close to the, the brink of existence both of these tours were and maybe not quite literally but in the way that they're funded and structured currently yes quite literally i want to go to Rory's i don't know what it was was it was it two or three podcasts ago when you guys were just reading like the james han quotes yeah i was listening to pod while driving along my car i genuinely had to pull over to the side of the road because i was worried about crashing because i was my ribs were hurting with laughter so much <laughs> just like how can somebody miss the points how stupid can you be but it tells the story. That guy's on the board. Like that guy is missing Mad. the point that wild and on the board. It, it really tells the story of how we got to this spot. Jamie, speaking of ribs, uh, <laughs> I'd like to talk about Rory's comments. Uh, Solid. Hey, you were thinking he was going to be much more. That was, that was a seamless segue, by the way. I Thank mean, that, yeah, that was really, really good. <laughs> it's yeah. like we planned it. Yeah, my source over at the BMW PGA was telling me things were going to get getting ready to pop off, and they really didn't. I don't know who that source possibly could have been. Uh, but yeah, Rory didn't didn't throw as many jabs as maybe we thought. But uh, Rory asked about by uh, some journal, some hack journalist uh, put a microphone in front of his his face and said, uh, "I wouldn't say I've got much uh, talking about the live guys. I wouldn't have much of a relationship with them at the minute. Uh, but if you're talking about the Ryder Cup, that's not the future of the Ryder Cup team. They've played in probably a combined 25 Ryder Cups, 30 Ryder Cups, whatever it is. The future of the Ryder Cup." is the Hoygaards, mm -hmm. Danish Twins, Rasmus, and Nikolai, and then uh, Bobby Mack, meaning mm -hmm. Robert McIntyre, whoever else that? is coming up, uh, like they are the Ludwig. future of the Ryder Cup Ludwig. team. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we should be thinking about and talking about. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that I, press conference. I, I, wasn't in that, I wasn't in that press conference, but there were some just brilliant little one-line zingers from Rory in that press conference as well. Like, does he ever see a time when the guys are playing DP World Tour Golf again? He said, they can always go through Q school. Um, and just a couple of absolutely brilliant ones. He was asked about, you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with him on Sunday and said, well, they'll be pretty tired by that stage because it'll be the fourth day. It ended up being the third day anyway. So that, that one didn't land as well. But Rory was was in sensational form. We week. might need we might need to you might need to cool a few of them. it's not a stand up routine, Rory. Can't, we're, can't we're, go back to the well too. He's many gone, times. He's, he's, it's, we're pretty far into this, right? The fifty four hole jokes, they they kind of write themselves now at this point. But I do yeah. appreciate the effort of the jabs. Can we finally do Sergio guys? Yes. I've been trying. Big yeah. I've been trying. Big techs. Yeah. Uh, I got stole a couple things from Eamon Lynch's article. Um, I guess he had a quote earlier in the week that said, uh, what I'm going to do is support the European tour, and that's all I can do. Whoever doesn't like it, too bad for them. I assume that means about him being there, uh, despite being a live player. Shoots an opening round 76, uh, and when play gets – he finished his round on Thursday, um, and he was already done when it was called on Thursday, but then play was called for Friday. Withdraws. No reason given. I still don't think there has been a reason given, if I may say. Hook him. He was not the only player to withdraw, <laughs> but he was the only one to not give a reason, as I understand. And he shows up on college game day uh, on Saturday at, uh, at at in Austin, at Texas. So <laughs> As Scotty Scheffler uh, collected his Player of the Year trophy. That's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, it sparked quite, quite a lot of people. It was a, a career achievement award, if you will, for Sergio Garcia to just pull – such a, an asshole move, the disruptive move that we were talking about earlier to, to take up a spot and then withdraw after one round. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't call that supporting the European tour. It's just, I mean, oh, what can you say? Like, 
disappointing, yes. Surprising, no. He has got a track record for being a petulant. That's the perfect word. I was going to say petulant, dickhead. Entitled little man child. Um, He's got a track record of it. And just, I mean, it's one thing withdrawing. And I just think, even withdrawing from a tournament, unless you're injured, I don't agree with. You know, he shot an opening round 76. Min Woo Lee shot an opening round 76, came out yesterday, grind his ass off, and shot a 62. A one stage today, he was 12 under par. He was tied for seventh with four mm. holes left to play. He played a poor last four holes, but still, he came out and did what you're supposed to do, which is be a professional golfer and do your very best. It's a lack of professionalism, and we've seen it so many times with Sergio Garcia now throughout his career. And it makes me so angry and, and, and really sad as well. Like, when he burst onto the scene in 99... You know, that youthful exuberance, cutting that shot around the tree at Valhalla and running up the fairway and fast forward to Brookline and his first Ryder Cup. And like, you just, there was something so exciting about him that you find yourself rooting for him. I felt, I I shared his pain with all those near misses in major championships. I was so delighted when he finally got over the line at the 27 Masters. Christ, even as recently as a year ago, I was rooting for him so hard at Whistling Straits and just like so happy to see him that he still had it in in the heat of Ryder Cup battle. And now, like, I, 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 I just have no time for him at all. And and that is a sentiment that's felt by a lot of players as well. A player who shall remain nameless said to me this week, pretty much, quote, you know, I just feel like an idiot because for so many years, people would say to me, why are you friends with Sergio? He's an absolute dickhead. And I would defend him and say, no, 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 he's misunderstood. He's actually all right <laughs> once you get to know him. And now I've been proven wrong and they've been proven right because he is an absolute fucking dickhead. That's pretty much a quote that a player gave me this week. And uh, it's just, it's one thing withdrawing, as I said. It's another thing than having the goal to be photographed and be giving interviews at a Texas Longhorn ga- Longhorns game the following day. I mean, the optics of it are so bad. Uh, have some fucking decency. All the people uh, pointing out that that you know, oh, it's it's okay though. He lives in Austin. We're like, what the fuck? You're missing, kind of missing the point here. This was he the, was playing a tournament. In yeah, England I know exactly. I don't give a shit it. where he lives. If yeah. he didn't want, if he wanted to play live and wanted to be home for more UT football games, then don't show up at the BMW PGA. It's it's that's and Eamon's article really hammered this home to me. He said, you know, referring to when he said, "Whomever doesn't like it, too bad for them." Uh, Eamon said, "The them for whom it was too bad included the many competitors who objected to the presence of 18 live members in the field, the DP World Tour itself, which made clear the live outcasts were in only under legal duress." and the luckless players on the alternate list who were denied 18 opportunities to compete in their tour's premier tournament. Garcia's professed support of the DP World Tour has never been much in evidence at its flagship event, where he has only appeared, guess how many times, in the last 22 years? Two times. Two times in the last 22 years. On his last showing in 2014, he quit after one round. If nothing else, this week indicated how little he has changed in the intervening years. And the first alternate... Last guy out was one a of Spanish his countrymen guy. who's a good friend of John Rahm's. Yes. Which I'm sure went over really well with, with, with uh, Rahm. Alfredo Garcia Heredia, who is you know a 40-year-old journeyman. This is his um, rookie year on the European Tour, I think. He only got his card from the Challenge Tour. He's 13 spots away from keeping his card at the moment. So, look, he needs all the starts he can get to keep hold of that European Tour card. And, look, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, but, but you know, he should just play better then. And, look, there is an element of truth to that. It's not a charity golf. It's a meritocracy. You're not supposed to fall on your sword just so somebody else can get your spot. 
But if you are going to take a spot in the field, have the decency to actually play the tournament rather than using it as something to just be disruptive and make yourself a nuisance and then piss off after shooting an opening round 76. Pathetic. And I think, I don't know if you boys have read the John Huggan article as well today, but just the last line of the John Huggan article is, great golfer he may be, but as a man, Sergio Garcia is a huge disappointment. I think that pretty much sums it up. Mm, disappointment. What was, can you remind me what he said uh, in the, the meeting at the BMW? Was that in May or was that? Uh, right. At, that was June. June. So that was, it would have been the week before the Live Portland event, two weeks after the Centurion event, I think. Um, that was the BMW International in Munich. And basically he said to Bob McIntyre in particular, but there were a number of people people in the locker room, he was basically just saying, uh, this isn't word for word, but this is, this is the gist of it. Ha ha, you guys are all fucked. The European tour is fucked. Uh, Liv that Golf actually is, is word for word, if I may say. Is, it, is that word for word? Okay. This tour is shit. You're all fucked, was the, yeah. was the quote, I believe, that has been reported in multiple Sick. locations. I don't even know if we covered that when it happened because so much stuff was happening so fast. Sergio flew off the handle shouting, this tour is shit. You're all fucked. Should have taken the Saudi money. Bob McIntyre was there and was disgusted. <laughs> Oh God, this dude! Yeah, he, he's had t he has had plenty of time to mature, and it just never happened, and it's not going to happen. All right, we've seen it way too many times. This is who he is, and it's still just amazing how the links he will go to be this big of an asshole. I just love, I love the the like the picture of him as a Texas fan, just the hook'em, just hanging out around Austin, probably on Sixth Street. Just like what a dickhead, man. <laughs> so let's say you had you had ten. You had to fill ten spots, and the only two, you know, the only two guys that you can fill those spots with are Poulter and Sergio. How many? How many out of those ten are you going with Poulter, and how many of those ten are you going with Sergio? Explain that to me again. What you <laughs> so mean? just say, all right, like basically, if you had to, you know, vote on those guys, how many votes are you giving to Sergio for? Like, you have to put yeah. some put some like points behind those those guys. You have to give out ten points. You you know as a for like as who people. you prefer yeah, who yeah. do you prefer you have to give ten out divide them up between those two how would you divide your points? fuck me <laughs> I mean you give me I wasn't sure where you were going with this yeah. and now I'm 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 equally interested I think Poulter's I would say Poulter, Poulter's mostly harmless like a a pretty big dick but so and that's kind of his mo anytime right? anytime I've had any dealings with both of them like in the flesh Ian Poulter's always been very pleasant to deal with and. You know, there's an element of when the red button on the top of the camera goes on, he sort of performs and he is yeah. slightly different from the person that you see off camera. But, and there was an Ian Poulter story today, which I'll tell you about as well. But anytime I've ever dealt with Poulter, he's been pleasant to me. Whereas anytime I've ever stopped Sergio for an interview, he's kind of been a bit of a dick. And I've thought to myself, because again, like a lot of young Young Sergio Garcia is pretty much the same. The young Spaniard, but but a lot of a lot of the younger guys who I would know on the European tour, Sergio was almost as much of a hero to them growing up as Tiger was, for all the reasons I just listed before. Like just you know he, he was he was fun to watch. He rooted for him. He wore his heart in his sleeve. They loved him, and so I wanted to like Sergio. And every time I'd ever stopped him for an interview, I'd kind of come away from it thinking, God, is is he a bit of a dick or have I just maybe got him on a bad day? And now I realize, no, he, he actually is. Yeah. 
not just a bit of a dick. He's a massive dick. I, he was on the podcast maybe three or four years ago, and uh, I was trying to figure out a way to ask him, like, how would you explain, like, your, you know, the evolution of your relationship with American crowds, which is kind of basically my way, yeah. my innocent way of asking, like, you know, you're an asshole and you've been harassed over the years. Like, how would you, how have you matured? And he, I denied that he ever had a bad relationship with American crowds. I'm like, dude, we all saw Beth Page in 2002. We saw them count. We saw you flicking people off. We saw them counting how many times you were regripping, cheering for your bad shots. Like, let's not pretend here. And that was that was my little teeny tiny glimpse into like what what kind of reality that guy is living in. And, and you know, looking back down the years now, there's been so many warning signs. There's been so many little telltale moments where, yeah, and I'm not just talking about like you know the spitting in the cup and the. <laughs> <laughs> smashing the bunker with his sandwich in Saudi Arabia of all places tearing up but five like, of the greens you, you'll remember you'll remember the bad blood between him and Podrick Harrington in 2008 ish yeah. I think it was where it, and that at the time that was like oh my gosh how, how dare Podrick say anything about the golden child of European golf Sergio Garcia Podrick's basically issue with him was he's got all the talent in the world he's got more talent in his little finger than I've got in my entire body but I absolutely work my bollocks off and I grind to get the very best out of myself and that's why I'm a three-time major champion and he'll never be a three-time major champion because he has all this talent and he just doesn't care and I, I think that's that's borne out hasn't it like he, what, what a talented golfer but there's no way he's as professional as the rest if he had the same dedication as Tiger, for example, he could be a multiple major champion by now. But he just zero fucks given, and zero fucks given when it comes to this latest incident. As well, he probably won't give a shit that no. his character is being dragged through the mud again. He doesn't there's, care. There's more to that Padraig story too, which someday I think will probably get out there. And there's yeah. there's some good details of that we. All of this, we didn't even talk about him being his racist comments towards Tiger at the Players Championship. Like we, we need to just keep going. I feel like we need to to re to redo some of these live teams. The fireballs need to be P, Sergio, all the villains. Yeah, we need to get them on the same same squad. Bryson and call them the dickheads rather than the fireballs. <laughs> just, the, just the dickheads. Let's just call a spade a spade. Do we need to get you out of here for the Packers game? I know we do. No, sure. I'm good. Last thing I had on my list with you was the Poulter Billy Ho kerfuffle in the putty green, which yeah, well, that, that that seems like so long ago now that it it uh, are they are they trying to spin that as they, like a a joke or they something? They made it as a parody now. Yeah, but even when I saw, to, to be honest, even when I saw the video, I kind of thought. That could be. They could be talking about anything there. I mean, it's, I don't. It didn't look to me like there were raised voices or any animosity. It was after I'd spoken to Billy, and Billy had already said that he'd, you know, he'd been chatting away to Poulter, and the two yeah. of them were absolutely fine. So I don't. I think there was a lot of a, a lot of hoo ha about nothing with that. To be honest, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to get your your response to the Sevy Cup uh, reimagined. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, firstly, what is the Sevy Cup for some <laughs> of our listeners? Okay, Enemy. so okay, so the Seve Trophy from 2000 until 2013, I think was the last one, was basically a Ryder Cup style competition, but it was Great Britain and Ireland versus continental Europe. And to begin with, it got all, it did get all the biggest names, the likes of Faldo, Montgomery, Alathabal were all playing in it. And then towards the end, you know, some of the big names weren't turning up, and it just it died to death in, in 2013. Um, they're now bringing it back. I think Luke Donald's been pretty instrumental in that as well. Um, so the week before the Abu Dhabi Championship next year, I think it's the 13th to the 15th of January, they're going to have the Hero Cup, which will be Continental Europe against GB&I again. 
And on paper, those two could be sensational sides and it could be a lot of fun, two 10-man sides. But I know for a fact that a lot of the Shane Lowry's, Rory McIlroy's, John Rams of the world probably aren't going to be playing in it, um, which makes it more of a chance for Luke Donald, I suppose, to see some of the likes of Bob McIntyre, AJ Moronk, the Hoygaard twins, who may well be on the team Ludwig. in Italy 12 months from now. Ludwig, naturally, it goes without saying. I think he's team captain of continental Europe. Yeah. So one, on one hand, yes, great that it's coming back. Two, massive PR and goal by the European Tour <laughs> not to have Seve's name involved. And understandably, it rubbed Javi Ballesteros up the wrong way um, to basically, you know just completely reinvent the Seve trophy, but not have Seve's name involved. I mean, what an easy PR opportunity it is. Just call it. Hero obviously are paying a lot of money and want their name on it. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Moonjal, you know? Yeah, just call it the Hero Seve Cup. Yeah. You know, rather than the Hero Cup. Especially it's, it's so as they're trying done. to, you know, reestablish or kind of reinvigorate the European Tour, DP World Tour, make it all about legacy, all this stuff. What Massively. better legacy than that conjures up the, the history of the European tour than Seve, you know? So, as I understand it, Keith Pelly has now reached out to have you by Asteros. And I think, you know, with these things, if you've made a mistake, best to own up to it quickly and try to fix it. And I think Seve's name is not going to be involved in it somehow. Um, and they're probably still going to have the, the Seve trophy, and the, the iconic sort of Seve stance on the 18th green at St. Andrews in 84. So, um, so yeah, all's well that ends well. But um, as for it being a sort of shootout next year with you know John Ram and Victor Hovland on one side and Roy McIlroy and Shane Lowry, Matt Fitzpatrick on the other side, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Sadly. All right, man, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. We really appreciate you jumping on this week. Uh, it was a, a, a delight breaking down the BMW PGA with you. I know you got to get to your Packers and maybe and or beers with uh, with Shane Lowry, which uh, I, I'm I'm jealous of at least one of those things. Los so. Packers. He's I got a couple of tweets that like he's up there of the guys you'd most want to have a beer with on on either tour. So uh, you may have to Shane. You may have to leave us a voicemail that we can play uh, tonight with after a few beers to see if uh, if you can still walk home. So absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thanks, always, Jamie. always great to chat to you both. Cheers, bud. Thank you very much to Jamie. Listen, when personal finance connects you to both your funds and the stuff that matters, that's money and that's Cash App. You know what else is money? Choosing your own cash tag, investing directly into any stock you want. You can buy Bitcoin directly in Cash App. Met a couple fellow Bitcoiners at our event this weekend. Enjoyed enjoyed talking with them about the prospects instead of just hearing you guys hate on it. You guys, you guys love just you know, glomming on to one another. It's a it's a true community out there, isn't it? Listen, you know what else is money? Sergio's last-minute flight to Austin. I'm guessing that was not free. I think uh, he's got his own G5, so it was probably, probably even more money. It might have, well, it could have saved him some if it, an extra day of having the pilots have to wait. I don't know how private flights work. Uh, Taylor Gooch, solo fourth. Patrick Reed, sol- uh, fifth place this week. OWGR points. Those are as good as money. Thank you very much. Maybe even more than money at this point. Very much so. They have the money. Jimmy Walker, uh, I believe accepting spelled a little differently than you. Yeah, E X C E P T. Accepting I, is I, top. I think 50. we knew what he meant by it. Uh, really long, drawn out statement on social media. Accepting his top fifty career money exemption. One of his his multiple get out of jail free cards uh, that the PGA Tour offers to veterans. Uh, that's money. Literally. That is directly sure money. Make. Over a million dollars this year. Sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, gifting, or just typing numbers all in a single finance app. That's money. That's Cash App. It's fantastic. I use it every single day, single day, multiple times a day. 
couple green days in the market lately. That's been a lot more pleasant to open. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store and add your cash check to the 80 million and counting using the app. And when you use code NLU, you get a free $15 plus $10 goes to Youth on Course. And thanks to Cash App for helping us raise a bunch of money on top of Neil's 100-hole uh, hike a few months back. Um, only other note I had to kind of transition. I didn't want to bore Jamie with this. Was we got a little uh, TV contract stuff happened today here on the uh, this morning's broadcast. You don't know how that shit works. We can't even talk about that. Well, I it was I actually this is one where I feel bad for the Golf Channel <laughs> and that BMW PGA got delayed and the LPGA got moved up because of weather and they it was properly spaced out and all of a sudden they had to do both at once. I think uh, a lot of people were mad that they were even showing split screen of the LPGA. I think they were doing the absolute best they could. The problem came when they got their normal commercial load in when there were two tournaments <laughs> finishing up. We did also say there was a um, there was a split screen or or a, not even playing through, just a big graphic uh, that you know if it was a playing through, they would have been yelling at us. It was the PXG ad, yeah. and it was just a a alternative to commercials, which was like a border that highlighted another equipment company, which I won't name again. Uh, that was like, hey, this is a, a creative way to get an ad in that doesn't involve taking your eyes away from the screen, doesn't involve taking audio onto it. So uh, that's I don't know if there's any future in that in, in golf television, but that is better than playing through. I had to I had to shout that out. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a tough weird morning. They had they had both uh, both options streaming online if you wanted to. And it was and it, they both kind of bled into uh, uh, NFL football kicking off. So anyone that the only people that were upset about this were the true true golf. Which fans. if we really want to bitch about something, NFL Sunday ticket total disaster today. What like, happened? Their servers went down. Oh no! Uh, it's their last year of the contract with Directv. Everybody thinks it's going to go to Amazon this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, the servers were down. A lot of the games were blacked out for a bunch of people. And, and people are paying like 80 to to $100 a month for this. I was going to say, you got you got to stop with this because we always uh, try to pretend like this stuff doesn't happen in other sports when we complain about golf coverage. So. Yeah, Roger Goodell's <laughs> up there as far as, like, okay. you know, mismanagement of stuff. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, w- one last that's money thing. Uh, we got a question from at Don Mannix. Do you think there are social media accounts being directly compensated to pimp for live relentlessly? I do, and that's money, TC. I left that one out of that. I, I breezed past it because we got absolutely vibing on the that's money section. Yeah. But I 100% do. I, I know we kind of joke about that, but that is absolutely... Uh, there's there's some influencers who popped up at the Saudi International initially and you know have, have done various things on YouTube, et cetera, that, that uh, you know, definitely in the... In the pocket of the Performance 54 folks. Kroger Queen City Championship in uh, in Cincinnati this past week. We were up there for multiple days. Didn't see a ton, ton of the actual golf tournament. We shot a little content on Tuesday that is going to come out later this week, I believe, uh, and hosted a event there this past weekend. We were all out there on Saturday. Best hospitality setup I've ever seen at a, at a, yeah. at a golf tournament. The commissioners we were, Club. We were directly on top of the uh, 6T. I keep forgetting which it was. 6T. Nine green and uh, 14 green. Yeah. It was unbelievable. You could see tremendous, tremendous action. But uh, Al Ewing wins the inaugural, the first ever Kroger Queen City Championship, final round 66. She had five birdies in a row in the back nine. She went absolutely nuts on the back nine, edged out Ziyu Lin, who also shot a final round 65. Those two had a duel. Maria Fossey in the mix, solo third. She had a final round 71. She was not close, but got the solo third. Uh, and the other two just kind of blew her away. It wasn't really anything she did necessarily wrong this week. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Lee Six, Marina Alex, Andrea Lee, uh, Alim Kim, kind of rounding out the top five there. 
But yeah, great event. Good golf course. They had a ton of rain. They had like seven inches of rain in 20, 24 to 48 hours. Beginning of the week, they kind of washed out the, the midweek festivities. But uh, just Cincinnati turned up. It was it was great to be out there. And uh, they had a Skyline truck on site. <laughs> they had a Graders truck on site. Anything you want to say on that front? I, we can definitely cover this. I think it's it's definitely main pod worthy, and that uh, a lot of a lot of slanderous things have been said about my takes on graders. Uh, I am without a doubt team Jenny's. It's not really that close. Private equity ice cream. We had a, a graders in Columbus growing up, and it was fine. Like it was like it was. You went to, if you went there, you went to get ice cream. You didn't go to get graders. Like that was just like the option. It was like totally fine. And then when Jenny's came, it just blew people's minds. And so I've been listening to all these people tout graders over Jenny's, and I can't even like wrap my head around it. We went on Wednesday night with my parents and got a peanut butter chocolate chip, and I couldn't even finish it. Like it wasn't, it was just not even good. Like it was fine, but like it wasn't special. And then you guys forced me to get the black raspberry chip. It was really it's good. Damn good. I got it twice. It's it's really good. But their mint chocolate chip's good. If you can't their do an average, good. If you can't do an average peanut butter. That's it. I'm a not a side. peanut butter guy, okay. so I can't really opine there. But I feel like Jenny's is like, you know, angel dust infused marshmallows with it smells uh, like coffee. They got some. Creative it's like stuff. it's a little bit too much it, for me. And then yeah, of fine. course the the whole hysteria thing as well. well. I was gone. For, I was out of the country for that, so that never happened in my mind. So, but no, I think it it uh, it seems like this event should. Be it's a, it's a perfect big, market for it. It should be a great market for it, a good time of year to be in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's got a three-year contract, I believe. And, you know, we, we've got all got a lot of Ohio ties, so we just circled this one when it popped up to say we were all going to meet up. And all our parents came in for it, and uh, we had just a, a fantastic time. And uh, we'll definitely definitely be back in the future. Yeah, I had the whole Cincinnati kind of trifecta or, or superfecta. I had graders. I had... A bunch of Skyline. So uh, good. Skyline's so good. Anybody that shits on Skyline, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, Skyline. Although I'm, no, I'm weaning myself off of the four ways, though. Yeah. They fill me. They they're so filling. So four way is like uh, spaghetti with chili and then a, like a pound of cheese on top and and which can I push back? Like, if you don't like Skyline, I totally understand. I really do. I I like it. I really like it. But if you don't, I totally understand. I'm a, but the, like the conies, you can have three conies and it's it's fantastic. It, it, you don't it's, feel great afterwards, but it, uh, it I legitimately every time I take a bite of one, it reminds me of Miami University, drunken nights, getting walk up window there, getting skyline on the way home. Uh, that was, was a bad skyline up there. Though. It was bad, and it's kind of like the Irish and their Guinness taps. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you got to go to this one. No, you can't go Kenwood, to that skyline. That's Clifton. a bad one. That's a bad yeah. one. That's a good one. But uh, and no. then I had Montgomery in. Mm, One night, I didn't realize you did. Uh, and then uh, I had Grippos, uh, both potato chips and pretzels. So yeah, it was. A, and then Rheingeist beer, big craft brew scene. We uh, didn't have uh, La Rosa's pizza. It did not have La Rosa's. But the Mad Dog Brewery, um, Mad Tree, Mad Tree Brewery. Yeah. That place was a scene. Yeah. That was an absolute blast. I uh, Cincinnati's has grown up a lot since I last. Yeah, it has. There, so. uh, and yeah, they, they had a, a, a special NLU brew, Beluga Juice. Uh, <laughs> It was a uh, like a tropical kind of West Coast style IPA, fantastic. So we appreciate the hospitality there. We played Springfield Country Club. I that's like up there, top three, top four on like courses I could play every day for the rest of my life. Up there with like Ely, and uh, do you want to say anything about the setup? 
That, that was a lot. Uh, that was a lot. It was close to the rolling green day of balls degreening and uh, impossible to putt near near some of the holes. Um, it, it was a but lot. That's a normal day out at Springfield. Uh, there's a lot of those greens. There's probably six to eight of those greens that, uh, you know, if plenty of people, I'm sure, listening to this podcast have played U.S. Open sectionals out there. There, there's plenty of spots in those greens where, like, there's not an easy hole location. We had three tough hole locations, like, out of the ordinary. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I maybe if the greens don't stimp at that speed, it's it's more playable. But it was very much of like I would hit some to fifteen feet, and like okay, well I, I would have twenty feet coming back. I guarantee no matter what you, I if, if you went back and played that course again and knew the slopes, you'd be like, oh my god, this is this is so fun. It was really hard to play blind. I would. It, we we all agree that if we would knowing where the pins were in hindsight, like you at least know where to play and how to strategize. But it's very very hard to play blind. It's a just a tough golf course. Very it's tough. in mint condition. Chad Durrell and uh, Jake Houston, the whole staff there, had just appreciate the hospitality. I just love that place. You should have listened to the crash course. Uh, that may podcast have we did. Too. Well, we couldn't tell where. The, yeah, you just can't tell where the pin when the greens are sloping greatly from back to front, and the pins in the are in the front, and there's a false front. There's just like nowhere to hit it. There's nowhere to miss. And I've learned that Donald Ross, man, very very long. Anything to say about the uh, international team picks? Siwoo Kim, Taylor Pendrith, K H Lee, Christian Bezadenhut, Cam Davis, and Sebastian Munoz. Any snubs in there? Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Ryan Fox get a look. Who are you taking off bomber. the team? Good question. Uh, well, Cam Davis was maybe a little bit of a surprise, but he's he's played well. Good player, and he's, I think Quill Hall is probably a fit for him. Connors is obviously all right. He was not Pendrith is the Pendrith, was the pick. Yeah, yeah. he's played really Pendrith's well. Pendrith's a great great fit for the course as well. I wish Minwoo Lee was playing. Like a, he's not really a PGA Tour player, so I doubt they're going to look at him. But like same with like Ryan Fox, I'm sure that's why they gave the benefit of the doubt to somebody else. Munoz has kind of cooled off a little bit. I think he's one that, you know, you may want to. Uh, but but then again, you kind of, like, it seems like they've kind of got pods of, you know, you got the Korean guys, you've got um, yeah, you've got a couple Spanish-speaking guys in Mito and Munoz. Uh, you know, you got a couple of Canadians now with Corey Connors and uh, Pendrith. So it's, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of, a little bit of a pod system working. And, you know, if, if look, I empathize with Trevor Emmelman. I think he is very well documented how little of a pool he had to work with. Um, I think there are no snubs in a year like this where you lose how many guys, four, five, six guys off the team that, that would have been on it. Like if, you, if you're not in the top 16, 17 or whatever, it's kind of hard to call anyone a snub. But he has gotten there's a, like a, a, a good solid case for pretty much all of them. Like Cam Davis has been, again, I know, uh, you know this bores people to death, but a positive – 1.0, 1.09. No, he had a really good strokes gain guy yeah. over the last six to three, like three to six months. Like dudes that have been playing really golf on the back half of this year. Taylor Pendrith especially has been one of the best you know players in all of golf. It, and he it, absolutely uh, melts the ball. Oh, I mean, he's the third best player over the last six months on the uh, on the international team and over the last three months. So um, there just wasn't a whole lot to add, really. I mean, it you, there wasn't a dude that has been playing great golf over the last three to six months that. They didn't uh, did not add. Um, and so. then, you know, I, I mean, I guess like like Bezadenhout, Siwoo, but they're both I don't know. They're both kind of seem like guys that kind of punch above their weight. I don't know. I, I was I was fine with them. They're you know, it is what it is. Still, you, you think the internationals have a chance? I, I listen. I think it could be a, a definite, uh, definite miracle on ice situation. Okay. 
in the fake Queen City. You're, uh, the United States selects Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Cameron Young, and Kevin Kisner. Big couple weeks for the pro. Max Homa defending his his title at the Fortinet this week out in Napa, and then his first team appearance. Yeah. Uh, I love the Horschel. Uh, I love Horschel getting on. Uh, thoughts on Kisner? There is, it's a unique year in that there is not a prospect sitting there that I'm screaming, hey, this guy is a big talent and we need to get him on the stage. If Zalatoris wouldn't have gotten hurt. Zalatoris would have been on the team for okay. sure. So it, it was going to be like the easiest possible six picks because um, Zalatoris was going to be an automatic qualifier. So who was going to get bounced if Zalatoris was on? I forget who the final points qualifier was, um, but... It was it was going to be really easy, and then when he, you know, when he got hurt, it was like, okay, is it Saha Tagala? Is it Aaron Wise? Like, there, you know, is it Scott Stallings? There wasn't anyone that was like, hey, I think this guy is part of the future of American golf. He's got to be on the team. Um, so they took Kisner. I don't think Kisner. Look, we know Kisner's got that dog in him. Okay, that's well documented, uh, and I know he finished very well at Quail Hollow, the 2017 PGA. I still don't think he's a great course fit. Uh, I also just, this President's Cup is not going to be close, so I, I'm not going to waste any energy getting even remotely upset about it. And I will say a positive in the column is Kisner is an option for next year, depending on what the Europeans do with that setup at Marco Simone. He should be in the conversation. He should not have been in the conversation for Whistling Straits for reasons that are extremely well documented here. But he would have been great in France. In hindsight, like that golf course would have, he would have fit the profile for that golf course. And does he fit the profile for Italy? Is a question that is outstanding. And I, I don't mind the pick in that regard. I don't think he needs the experience necessarily, but like kind of feel it out in team room. I, I don't know. These guys all know each other really well. It's he's he's a known quantity, and it it all adds up to me in this scenario. Is does his game scream Quail Hollow to me? No, but it makes sense. I'm okay with it. I'll tell you who really fell off. DB straight vibing. Yeah, he's, he was hurt, hurt, right? Yeah, he's and then, not been very good. You know, but even then, it's just kind of, kind of weird to see him so far down the list. I guess just being hurt. Kind of surprisingly, one other guy that I think would possibly be a good fit on the U.S. team, or just to try out because he doesn't seem like he's like his game's not going anywhere. Aaron Wise. Yeah, he's, he's had, had a, a really sneaky awesome, good year. awesome year. It is that is the like if if we're looking straight talent wise, like I I you know. I think that makes more sense. Yet at the same time, probably a career year for him. Um, who knows? But he, he's had a lot of talent. He was NCAA champion, and uh, you know, not a ton has come from it to this point. But I, I'm, I'm just not shouting that one from the rooftops, no, right? No, no, it it makes sense. It would have made sense. I think it would have probably come down to those two. But uh, it was an I obvious think, twelve. I think Kisner makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know what would have happened if uh, you know if, if there wasn't you know DJ Bryson Brooks all gone. I, who you bump off, right? I'm guessing Brooks, I, as of now, Brooks would not be on the team if I had a choice. Bryson as yeah. well, obviously, with the injury. DJ, I would definitely still take on this team. Uh, Gooch could have been an interesting I would have player. absolutely I mean, put Gooch on the he's team. He's had a fantastic year. I don't know. This President's Cup's going to be... I, I hope we get some fun, some drama, some action out of it. It almost always does give us something. I mean... 2017 was an incredible beatdown. 2019 was obviously outrageously fun with the fight. and The U.S. was almost down 9-1. In a, in a, at Royal Melbourne? At Royal Melbourne. <laughs> what were they down at that, after that session? That's a good question, but it was they were like two putts away from 
two really makeable putts away from being down nine one. That was, but that's that was the difference in like a firm, fun, variable adding yeah, golf and course. Quail Hollow. They, yeah, they, this is not trending towards any kind of sign of an upset. I just I think the Korean guys got to play well. KH Lee's a dog, certified, bona fide, canine. You've got Tom Kim. We don't have to. We don't have to tell anybody about Tom <laughs> Kim. He's on the pod this past week. You got Sungjae. It was a ball striking machine, which is like kind of how I feel about the way the Ryder Cup's trending too. Like a lot of dudes that are really solid golfers, but like you got to go beat like Scheffler and Cantlay and Xander and JT, and it uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen over that long period of time. It's they've shortened the Presidents Cup over time and not had as many matches, which always played into the U.S.'s hands. But man, at the same time, the the home ones have been incredible beatdowns, and I'd this, love, is the, I'd love this is the for, biggest mismatch on paper yet. I'd love for us to get to Quail Hollow and just see like a totally manipulated golf course. They brought the rough in, and <laughs> the U.S. throws a couple <laughs> yeah, back, like exactly screws themselves with the setup. That would actually yeah. be uh, maybe good for the long term health of it. But man, I think they're going to have to reevaluate something about this thing going forward after this one. And if, it just doesn't get me very excited to go to Royal Montreal for the next iteration. Oh, you're going to have the Canadians all over you for that one. Yeah, but yeah. which come come get it, Canada. <laughs> Looking ahead, uh, PJ Tour returns this week at the Fortnet. As well, we have uh, Rich Harvest Farms live Chicago, and we roll right into President's Cup week. But you excited for Rich Harvest Farms? It's the live just outside Chicago. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I... There's that outrageous hole with the shrubbery in front of the tee box. I just remember it from the NCAA's seemingly bad golf course. Outrageously bad golf course <laughs> from what I could tell. But uh, that's going to be a couple dual screening, I guess, uh, for next week. Which I, now they're going up I against guess. football. Yeah. Too. They they got so. their weekend to own last week, and we'll see how it goes uh, this coming week if there's as much buzz around this one as there was um, around Boston. One point I, I wanted to make on Wentworth that we didn't – you know, it was basically – if I, I tweeted out the results going through going down the uh, going down the leaderboard, if you will, of live finishes, it seems like a very good week yeah, in terms of played well. results. Gooch fourth, Reed fifth, Westwood and uh, Atagway. I don't know how to say that. T thirteen, Answer T eighteen, Horsefield T eighteen, uh, Viesberger, Harding and Bland T twenty three, Poulter and Larathabal T thirty two. Which he's not live anymore. I, I can't keep track of who's gotten cut. So a lot of dudes. I guess there were a lot of the. Uh, the aggressive antagonists or the contrarians uh, on Twitter were pumping these results. I just wanted to throw a teeny bit of cold water on that. There are 14 top 50 players in the field, 28 top 100 players, which is essentially the same as the Wyndham. So this was not a uh, especially that almost uh, the the Wyndham had 29 top 100 players. So they had one more top 100 than were in the field this week. So it's it's not uh, not an outrageous field this week. So I just that context for those guys which are obviously still very talented golfers finishing yeah. that high is, uh, is I think important. Yeah. Um, there's some, there's not quite as much depth. There's not that much depth, but was I a little surprised to see like that many guys make the cut and play, play that well? Uh, yes, but also it was 54 holes. <laughs> they'd have been so tired if they'd had to play another round. We know this. Anything else you got from this week? Uh, not really. I think it's kind of just the, it's a quiet week. We can still yeah. go an hour and a half on a quiet week. Which yeah, is, uh, I, I saw the Niners just lost to the Bears. Oh my God! Really? <laughs> I'm gonna see, I'm gonna catch so much shit from people. <laughs> Don't open about, on Twitter about Shanny. What else is going on here? You'd stay, the Steelers and Bengals are in overtime. Oh God! The Colts and Texans just tied. 
We're missing witching hour to bring you this content. So I hope uh, give us a thumbs up in the Apple Store if you are, are still listening to this part of it. But Saints just beat the Falcons by one. Oh, now he's going down the leaderboard of the NFL. We are closing it. The this Jags it. lost a heartbreaker. So <laughs> this is it. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you TC for being here on yet another Sunday. We'll be back next week. We might be a Monday posting and recording uh, next week as an FYI. But uh, I'm going to we'll be back. I'm going to Chambers Bay. Your home. Your your place. Your yeah. Your favorite place i think in the world playing there thursday and friday excited so, to hear about yeah, that I'm stoked so well cheers brother and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next week cheers be the right club be the right club today yeah. i mean that's better than most how about him that is better than most better than most Expect